Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty, and yes, I am still a medical doctor simultaneously trying to pursue a career in acting. My guest this week is the lovely, the wonderful, the incredibly talented Michelle LaBeouf-Taylor. Michelle was a former professional ballerina, now turned actor, and we have an incredible conversation. We talk about so many amazing things, obviously, but one of the key things that really struck me about this conversation was when we chatted about the idea of retirement. So she had a career, like I said, as a professional dancer. She's a professional ballerina. And we all know professional athletes, I've talked to several on this show so far, their careers are usually quite short, very physically active. You know, they're very, you know, their careers are over while they're very young. So Michelle and I talk about what it's like to retire from your job when everyone else in your social circle who are not professional athletes are just starting their careers. Nobody around you is your peer who's retired. Like, what do you do? How do you, everyone who's retired are in their, you know, 60s and 70s. I think it's a really fascinating thing. And I, I chat about it with a lot of my athletes. The idea of losing your identity as an athlete at such a young age, like what was such a core part of your formative years, losing that and retiring and leaving that. And then what do you do? Do you flounder? Do you pivot? What do you do? So important to find that community of others like you who are experiencing this. It's a very real phenomenon. Anyways, we have a fabulous conversation about this and so many other things. Make sure you listen for her hilarious onstage story. As you can imagine, being a professional ballerina, she's got a lot. (laughs) Please enjoy the incredible Michelle LaBeouf-Taylor. And where you're excited, like they feel the same. So I remember a therapist once telling me, if you can trick your brain into, instead of feeling nervous, say, you're not nervous, you're excited. Then that will make a big deal. I'm like, and how do I do that? They're like, oh, just practice. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Right. I do. I do feel like repetition, like helps, like if it's the same scene or something, like I feel like repetition helps, like from that first, you know, initial run through, but like, there's, it's always the first run through. And sometimes it turns out great. But a lot of times you're like, Oh, like, that was my my nervous one. That was my jittery one. Let's get that out of the way. You know, I think uh, the biggest thing that I realized was how much stamina is involved with acting. And I think that again, it's like, it has to come down to training, just like you would train for a marathon or like dance and stuff like that especially the people who are on shows that you're, you know, filming a huge season and it's just all day, every day lines. Like I think about how exhausted I was like two lines on a Hallmark movie. I'm like, how do people, how do people do this day in and day out? Like, oh, but it's training, I think, stamina, endurance. I think so too. Yeah. And I think it's that repetition, just doing it over and over yeah. and over, you know? Yeah, absolutely which I think kind of gives comfort too. Yes. And I think that probably would be, it's like habit forming, I'm guessing, right? You know, like if you keep doing something over and over and over again, pretty soon your body's going to realize, oh, okay. It's not advantageous to be like pumped, filled with adrenaline if we're brushing our teeth and because we've done this before, right? It'd just probably be the same. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so yeah, tell me your story. How did you get into into acting? (sighs) See, I knew this question was going to come and I was like, God, where do I begin? <laughs> but I'll try to make it as short as possible. Um, so the journey with acting really came, I think, from just performing through ballet. I I mean, it's I'm mean, quintessential. Like every ballet dancer, I feel like kind of has the same, you know, beginning. You know, their parents put them in a a little rinky dink studio and then they grew a love for it. And then they went to professional school. I mean, that's essentially what happened to me, but it's funny because the whole time that I was a ballet dancer, I was like, I want to act. I, I found myself throughout my career 
wanting the character, the character roles as opposed to the prima ballerina roles. And I think all of that training through the ballet was, was great because it provided me with a career. You know, I was on a salary, I got health insurance, like all of that was great. But I think that's why I stuck with it for so long because it was security, you know, always knowing in the back of my head, I want to act like this is what I want to do. But, you know, it's kind of scary when you take a leap (laughs) and the only thing that you have that you've done before for your job is performing arts and you were with a company. And then all of a sudden that when you retire, that's gone. And, um, with acting, I think, so I, let me rewind a little bit. Um, I went to professional ballet school in Texas. I'm originally from York, Maine, like a super small town. And when my dad got a job here, um, I eventually went to a professional school and I was just very lucky. Like it's, it doesn't happen often. So I'm like aware that I'm very lucky, but, uh, after I graduated high school, I got my first professional contract with the company. Um, so I was elated and I was so excited and I, you know, had that job security. I had a place to grow. So starting as like a little trainee, (laughs) basically just doing all the not so fun stuff. Um, and probably about, I want to say it was like three years in, I think I was, it might've been three or four years in my parents were taking a ballroom class and this ballroom teacher happened to be an actor and he taught acting classes. And, you know, my parents come home and they're like, you know, you've always wanted to do this. We met this person. He seems really great. We told him about you. He'd love to meet you. And I'm like, okay, but like, does he really teach acting classes? Like, where did you find him? I'm like, I, I, cause I don't know what my parents know about it, you know? And, um, they introduced me to this person, Dennis O'Neill, who is wonderful. He was such a wonderful, um, teacher and guide for me. Um, and he was signed with an agent local here in DFW and had done so much work. I mean, his resume is like, so you know, I felt comfortable like jumping in with him and going to class one time a week right after my um, last rehearsal period, rehearsal for the ballet at like 545. I would rush to acting class on like a Tuesday night. And um, through that, I want to say like my second year in his agent came and watched class and she signed me. I was so excited. I was like, yes, like, this is exactly what I've wanted. Like now I'm finally get to, I'm going to um, be able to act now. And she signed me, but with the ballet, how it works with contracts is it's almost like a school season. So we would start mid July, early August, and we would go all the way to June. I don't know if it's like that in Canada. Is it like that in Canada? I think so. Yeah. It is? Okay. Yeah. So um, we would start like mid-July, early August and go all the way till late May. Well, that would only leave me two months of booking in. Mm -hmm. And I would have to be booked out that whole other period, like 10 months. And it was like, and what's funny is that during the two months that I would be booked in, I would get these wonderful auditions. But I just, the start date would be when I'm back with the ballet. So it just wasn't meshing. It became this is not the right time, which really was unfortunate because I was so pumped and excited to really like dig it, you know, dig right into my acting career. So I had to put it on the back burner because at that time, I think I was like 20, 21, maybe. Yeah, it was a while ago. (laughs) It was like 21. So like I couldn't leave, you know, the job security and just like, I just wasn't comfortable trying to make ends meet. Um, By that point, I had my own apartment. I moved out of my parents' house and I just wasn't, it wasn't a good time. And I I did love dance at the time. And I I still love dance. What am I talking about? But I, I just had to put that dream aside. Fast forward to, um, see, I'm already rambling. Uh, Fast forward to 2017. I was cast as Alice in Alice in Wonderland, and it was my biggest role that I had gotten with the company. Now, it's usually with ballet, there is not speaking. It's all pantomime. Um, 
However, this belly in particular had speaking in it, like Mike the whole deal. And what they would do is they would bring in a dialect coach to work with the Alice's and you would have these monologues that you had to speak. And they brought in this wonderful dialect coach, Brandon Smith. He was in like no country for old men and um, Jeepers Creepers. Great, wonderful coach. And I found myself wanting to literally bypass the rehearsals for the dancing part of Alice, just looking forward to these dialect coaching um, sessions with Brandon and the other two Alice's. And I almost felt like stupid because I didn't know it wasn't really my business, but I wasn't sure how the other Alice's were preparing. I didn't know if I was doing too much. Like mm. I wanted to, I created like a whole backstory. Like I, I mean, I, I did the whole actor thing or one of the methods, you know, I just, I really dug in deep and I was like, am I overthinking this? This is ballet. And it was at that time that I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is, I'm craving the speaking part. I'm craving the character aspect of Alice, but like the dancing was making me a nervous wreck. I didn't feel as confident as the other two Alice's who were principal, principal ballerinas. And I just got a lucky chance. So I stayed for another two years, 17, 18, 19, well, three years. And I had a baby in there. And then I came back from my baby, having my baby, and I came back the next season. And I was in, I remember the rehearsal I was in, it just wasn't going well. It was a really rough rehearsal for me. I was like on the verge of tears. And I said, what am I doing? Like, I'm not happy. I want, I'd rather be with my baby instead of being miserable in this rehearsal. And I decided like, that's it. Like I'm retiring and I'm blessed to be in a position that, you know, my husband can support the family with his income as a physical therapist and, He's been super supportive and was like, okay, like if it's time, it's time, you know? And it was 14 years in the company and then I left. <laughs> wow. That's kind of like the, the circle around to how acting got started, but I gave you a little extra info. <laughs> I just want to just quickly before I deep dive into so many, I have so many juicy questions just about <laughs> your experience as Alice and wanting to like do all that character work. I remember, and I don't mean to like bring this about me, but I remember doing something, something very similar in a show that I was in. It was just a small little like one act show, but I did like a full on, yeah, backstory about my character. I would write journals like, her, yes. and, yeah, you feel kind of stupid, but then you're like, no, no, this is yes. bringing me legitimate joy. I'm going to keep doing this. Exactly. This is so fun. Yes. Yes. It was the part that I like enjoyed the most was those rehearsals and was the talking about it and even the dialect stuff, which now I can put on my resume, you know, like I worked with the dialect coach. It was so interesting. Um, terrifying to have like a British accent when <laughs> I sound like this, but um, yeah, no, I totally understand. Like same, same as you. I was really into the character building yeah. stuff. I think that's where I, I so. definitely, it was the realization of, Oh, I'm worried that other people are going to think I'm being silly. Because like, mm -hmm. like you were saying, like, oh, you're putting too much on this. It's just a whatever. But then there's that other part being mm -hmm. like, no, like, this is like bringing such happiness personally. Like we need to, we need to dive yes. into that because I think that's rare to feel that feeling. Yeah. yeah it's not silly. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> Acknowledging I'm like, yeah. not a crazy person. <laughs> so you took... Like from your childhood, like a, a like you went performing arts to performing arts, like you said, and I think two very, mm -hmm. I hate to use the word high risk because that that's a medical term that like makes me go, Ugh. but like, but you know what I mean? Like it's it, it's they're both careers that you're kind of against the odds, and yeah, and I think pe people in both of those careers, I think of like like ballerina. Um, ballet dancer, sorry, and like professional, uh, equate it to like a professional athlete, right? Like it's, you're kind of at the top of the top of the top. And I think there'd probably be so many people who in your life would say, oh, you want to be a professional ballerina? Isn't that cute? But what do you really want to do? Come on. What's your plan B? It's so funny that like you recognize that and you say that because I feel like it's usually just dancers that are so tired of hearing that from people. It really, I mean, I think people are just maybe uneducated and they don't understand that. Like, I mean, I think they say maybe like one or 2% of 
ballet dancers actually make it professionally. So it's a very small community, um, the professional ballet community. And I feel like it's just such a unicorn job that people just aren't aware that, yes, you can make not like the most fabulous living out of it, um, but you can make a living out of it. And it is a career. Um, I understand, though. I mean, it really is. The town that I came from, from York, I mean, there was ballet like nowhere. I took ballet at a little local rec center. And the nearest professional ballet school was Boston Ballet, which was an hour away hour and a half. I mean, you talk traffic a lot longer, but, um, so I think to some people, they just, it's not prevalent in their town or really some cities even. So that that's understandable, but it sucks. <laughs> it does. And I think, you know, I think a lot of people and, you know, when I talked to a lot of people who had that sensible job, uh, there usually was someone or something or society telling them when they were a kid wanting to do creative stuff, wanting to dance, wanting to act. Somebody said, uh, like I was saying to you, that's cute. You need to be sensible and logical. And, you know, what's your plan B? Get a degree or whatever. Um, did you have anyone in your life like that? But it sounds like your parents were very supportive of this. I, I let me tell you, I, I have the most supportive parents. And, and here's the thing about my parents is that they supported me, you know, through the schooling completely, the training, the schooling, but they also knew when it was time to like, let me go and spread my wings. Like I remember they offered like, okay, you can stay at our, while I was a training apprentice. And even if I wanted to, I could have stayed when I was a core member and you make a little bit more money. Um, but they, they said, you're, you're welcome to stay with us. But when you leave, like you, we want you to go out on your own. Like we're not going to be paying your rent for you. We're not going to be, so they didn't, support me too much. It was very much like we support you in this career. This is the path that you want to take, but also realize that like, you are going to have to go out on your own at some point. And they did. And I, I thank them for that because it, um, once I did leave the house, which I probably even left too early, I didn't really need to, but I just wanted to, you know, <laughs> you know, late, late teens of like, let me out. I'm a free woman all my friends were in college. And so I was like, Oh, I want my, my time to go out with friends and stuff. And, but they were so supportive from, I mean, really from day one, even putting me in the ballet class at five and then, you know, continuing to pay for those classes and point shoes and being at every show. Um, yeah, I'm like indebted to them. And I know that not everybody has that. And it makes me really sad because I think, especially a ballet world can be really tough to be in if you don't have a good support system. Do you notice any similarities between your time professional ballet and now in acting or any skills or anything that experiences that you've now brought in from ballet into your acting career? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would say what's kind of, um, What's been a great skill that I've carried over from my professional ballet career is the discipline. I am such a disciplined actor. I'm, I will get the self tapes done to the best of my ability. I will be on set on time. I will do my work the best that I can. I will do my homework. I will be prepared. And all of that, I think just comes from having to be that way for ballet like, cause you're not going to make it in the ballet world. <laughs> like they'll get rid of you a season, every season you get an evaluation and they basically tell you whether you're cut or whether you get to stay on another year. So I'm so used to that, like cutthroat atmosphere that I know that if I don't put in 110%, that it could just be cut, you know? And I think it's, it's also really given me a thick skin because you know, how often are we making self tapes? You don't hear back, you know, it's, it's constant. So I'm used to rejection. You know, there was a lot of times in my ballet career where I really, really wanted specific role and it didn't happen. And I had to get over it and be satisfied with what I was given, but really work hard and kind of evaluate what I needed to do in order to get maybe a different role the next time that ballet came around. Um, so I think discipline and like a thick skin have definitely helped me now that I'm acting for sure. Talk to me a bit more. So I think about the aspect of you've retired from ballet. And I think that you have a very unique um, situation because you're first to active, we'll call it. It's tough to 
turn that back on if, say, f- 10 years down the road, you go, oh, I don't want to do acting anymore. Can I turn back on the first act? Where I think, like, yeah. if you were an accountant, you can turn that back on. Right. But also, like, I think where I know professional athletes and performing artists and stuff like that, when they retire, there can be a bit of an identity crisis because that part of your life is is gone. And there's like a grief process to it. Am I correct in that? I'm like, are you a dancer? <laughs> like, have you been through this? Because like, I mean, you take the words right out of my mouth. Like, and yes, absolutely. Um, I actually... I don't like closure. Like I think that that's just like one of my issues. I just don't particularly like closure. I like to just know that I like things to continue and it just, the ending already passed and I just like keep going. Like I, well, what happened with my retirement is um, I let the staff know in December that I was going to be, that it was going to be my last season. 2019, 2020 was going to be my last season. Now when a dancer that, is from the company that has been there for a long time retires. They usually give them like a final bow. There's usually like a party. Um, the patrons that have been coming to the ballet for a long time, they have, you know, the dancers they remember and like they inform them. Well, I was also scheduled to do a principal role in Midsummer Night's Dream. And it was going to be created. Um, that role specifically was going to be created on me by the director, Ben Stevenson. And I was so excited. And um, <laughs> then a little thing called COVID-19 no. hit. And my last day in the studio was March 13th, 2020. And I didn't know it was my last day. I, I, You know what's crazy, though, is that my last day in the studio, I had a rehearsal. And that isn't, there's rehearsals all day. And it goes back and forth. And you're, you might have an hour off here and then two hours off here. But the last day of rehearsals for the company, I had a rehearsal with Ben. And that, I mean, Ben is someone that I've known since I was 15 from the school. And um, he was such a pivotal part of my career. And I started with him and it ended with him, you know. So um, it the closure happened without me getting it, <laughs> almost. So here I am, March 13th, 2020. They say, you know, in two weeks, we'll be back in two weeks. And then we find out just how bad it is. And then like a month later, they're like, okay, everyone hop on zoom for a ballet class on zoom at home. And you're like, what? Like, how does that work? And then they say, okay, well, um, the hall that we perform, we perform at uh, two halls, one in Dallas and one in Fort Worth, they will um, be, they are going to close all shows until further notice, until for, excuse me, they are going to close all shows until further notice. And that was it. And I remember being in the Zoom meeting and looking at the executive director and just trying not to cry and saying, are you telling me that there's no final show to the season? And she knew it and I knew it. And she was um, really sweet when she told me, but she said, yeah, we're not going to have a final show. And that was it. And I, and that's how my 14 year of professional ballet ended and it's crazy, but I really think in hindsight, I think that if I were to have that final bow and to have that moment and I think it would have been too hard for me, honestly, I I'm such an emotional person. I think I just, I, yeah, I, maybe it's for the better, honestly. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting because uh, it's, it's so f- again, the, the professional, acting, ballet, athletics career, it is pretty finite, right? And I think Mm -hmm. you're retiring at an age that is like 50 to 60 years younger than like civilians retire. So where is your peer? Where's your peer group? Who has gone through this? Literally no one. (laughs) Yes, literally. And, And you know, what's really sad about about ballet too, is that you make these relationships with people in your company and then things happen and they're not the right fit for the company according to the directors anymore and they leave and they lose their job. And so now these people, or you have people like my best friend, um, 
Betsy McBride, who goes off to American Ballet Theater and is now a star there. So, so like, but it's, the job is very fleeting and the relationships can be very fleeting if you don't nourish them. So people are in and out of the company all the time because they, there's a big turnover rate, you know, um, especially with the trainees and apprentices and, um, at that level, a lot of times they just kind of are figuring out who and what they want. And it's, it's hard because you feel like you are losing your peers, people that you make memories with on stage. And, you know, there's a sense of camaraderie in the dressing room discussions and, you know, blood, sweat and tears on and off stage. And all of a sudden the next season they're gone. So yeah, it is like a little, it gets a little lonely, honestly. Yeah. I wonder, can, can this loneliness help you? Does this, this, does this help you with acting? Because it's very similar, right? There's the the fleetingness of acting, the lack of control, the lack of stability um, in acting as well, too. Has that been helpful for you? Or like, and then also, let's make the question even more intense. What do you do to help <laughs> combat that? Because that, I think, would be a big reason why people would quit both of the jobs that you've had, both the careers. Right. Absolutely. Um, I, I think it does get really hard for some people. Um, honestly, like my family, my, I'm so lucky that I was hired with the company that is local to where my family is, because that is not common. I mean, in our company, we have people from London, Brazil, China. I mean, it's all over the world. And I just so happen to be from this area. Um, so having them as like a support system really helped a lot and it kind of grounded me. Um, but I heard, I heard the actress, um, Betsy Randall, I think it's her name. I just recently heard her on another podcast and she was talking about being a singer when a singer, when she was younger. And she said something that resonated so much with me. She said, it was as if singing kept me company. And I thought about that and I was like, oh, like kind of heartbreaking a little bit. Cause you're like, oh wait, like, I think that's what it was. I think through the transition of moving from Maine to Texas, you know, living in Maine for nine years and then moving to Texas, completely different um, culture. I mean, I learned so much, the size of the state, the people, the high school was, was bigger. And then going from there to the company and not knowing where my place was. And um, I think through all of those stages of my life, I think dance kept me company it was kind of always a thing that was there and I could always go to, and it was very cathartic that way. Um, and I kind of feel like that's acting for me too, because you know, you, you escape, you become somebody else. And I think that's almost like therapy in a way. It's how I mean, I'll speak for myself. It's how I think I deal with stuff, even, you know, especially if you have an emotional role, <laughs> sometimes it goes a little too far and you're like, geez, <laughs> guess I was hiding something deep out there. You know, but I think that's what dance was for me. I think it was cathartic. And I think, um, I think if we had moved from Maine to Texas and I didn't have something, um, like a sport or like dance, I think it would have been even harder than that was. And, you know, I think even to this day, I think it's something that I just hold like near and dear to my heart, the experiences that I had dancing. And yeah, it probably even still keeps me company when I do it, but it's few and far between those times. <laughs> I think what's really, what was an important thing for me, um, you know, as I'm kind of going through the changing of my medicine into more creative is to mm-hmm. not, this is going to sound so silly. And it was my therapist who brought it up and <laughs> she was like, you know, if you decide not to do medicine or you retire from medicine, that doesn't go away. Your experiences that yes. you had. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And all the knowledge too. I mean, like yeah. all the knowledge that you have, like I, I just blows my mind. <laughs> like that must be so such a great tool to have for you. Like everything that you know, um, at least yours is probably a little bit more helpful for acting than mine. <laughs> well, no, but I think the experiences of even though you are retired, right? The experiences, mm-hmm. not just the physicality and like the doing of the ballet um, are still there. That doesn't go away. There's like riding a bike, but like the experiences of that, even though you're now retired, like that's still there. They're still here and they're still like 
yeah, I think it's so important to remember that because so much I think we think of is like, I am done now. The door is closed. Bye-bye. Yes. And I think it feels like that a little bit. I think there's a little bit of that because, I mean, you're going from nine to five forty-five every single day, moving your body, dancing in the studio, dancing weird tart and tights, um, in rehearsals with the same people constantly. And when that stops, it's like talk about identity. When that stops, it just kind of puts the pumps the brakes so much that you almost feel shaken and you're like, what do I do with my life? <laughs> you know? Um, so in that aspect of like, I think the um what you were saying, how the what you can take from your first career into your second career. Yes. Everything that you said. And also, but what was weird was the physicality of dance, not doing that anymore was kind of also because moving your body that much is very um, cathartic also, you know? Um, So when that finishes, you're like, wait, I'm just going to be sedentary all day. (laughs) Are you sure? Like, am I allowed? It's so bizarre. Do you have now, like, have you structured your day for acting? And I mean, obviously, you have to keep another human being alive. Congratulations. Right, Uh, right. (laughs) But like, like, with from such a structured dance life, do you now feel like you have a structure? Because acting, there's no structure, right? There's no landmarks. There's no boxes to check. It's very ethereal, right? It's... Um, from a day to day, no, I don't have a specific schedule because it basically depends on auditions, you know, it, it, cause sometimes you'll get an audition when you least expect it. And then you're like, oh, this is due when, <laughs> cause you know, some of them are like next day. I think I had one last week that was due like the next day, next evening. And I was like, ah, um, so you kind of have to just be flexible that way. But with two children, it doesn't really give me that kind of flexibility to just drop everything and and put up my self tape stuff. Um, but I, I've definitely made a system out of how I set everything because I don't have room in my house, at least right now, um, to leave all of my self tape equipment up, which is not fun. Um, luckily my husband has been great and like letting me leave my ring light up and things like that. And he's stepping over cords and, um, but I, I don't have a specific schedule. I really just jump right to it. I, as soon as the kids go to bed at night at like, 7 30 then I'm like okay self-tape time or if they're napping during the day I get it done so yeah I wish I had probably more of a schedule but and you know I've acting class um of course I'm taking every week too and I make sure I have time for that and the kids are taken care of (laughs) has there been anything that has surprised you about acting or the entertainment industry you know what and I, I was telling my husband this it is in a way I mean I feel like once, once you get an agent and you're like, I don't I want to be careful how I say this because you're always doing the thing. Like you're always, if you're in acting classes, you're doing the thing. Like if you are reading the, the books, you're doing the thing. If you're um, a background actor, you are doing the thing. Um, but I feel like once, once you are, no matter where you are in your stage of your career of acting, I feel like it is so much more work than people understand. And I heard you talking to somebody else about this in one of your podcast um, episodes, but it really is so much work just for this self-tape aspect and um, the auditions and the breakdowns and the submissions you do on your own and, and the acting classes um, and the headshots, keeping over the headshots, getting the demo reel done, keeping your resume updated. It is so involved. I don't know how to explain it without sounding like a fool, but it's everything I thought it was, but so much more. <laughs> like now that, now that, now that I'm like auditioning for, you know, some of the commercials that you get auditions for, you're like, is it really this company? Like, am I really, are they going to see my tape? And at the end of the day, probably not. It's probably just the passing director. <laughs> um, it, it's just wild. I feel like once you're in it, it really is so competitive and it's such a, it's a big industry, but a small industry. And I think there's a lot that I still need to learn, but I'm enjoying it for sure. I wouldn't do it. if I didn't. And I think that's the key, right? And I think that's the biggest, and it sounds so simple, right? And I sounds, I, I agree with you. I feel so, so silly when I say it out loud, but I think like, there's no, if you aren't enjoying it, there's, there's no point. 
Like, I, I, there's just, there's, it's such a high risk, low financial reward. You know, if you want a job that will give you financial stability and benefits, like I know, you know I've heard other podcasts say this, like go work at Starbucks. For real. Yeah. No. If you want to perform in front of an audience and make money, like go be a, a teacher, right? I think there, mm-hmm. there has mm-hmm. to be enjoyment in whatever craft. It's just right. not worth it. There's just so many other things yes. to be doing. Well, I'm also so happy that in that little break in my career, when I, um, in my er- in the early part of my ballet career, when I was signed to an agency and I got like a little taste of it, I'm so happy that I had that because I was able to verify that, yes, this is what I want to do. This is, this is what I'm meant to do. And I will do it one day so that when I retired, I was able to just jump right. in. I'm telling you when I, when they said we're not coming back and I knew that my career was over in the next month, I was in acting classes and I was already like gun. I was right in, I was, I was signing up. Um, and then I took that year and a half to get my headshots done, to do short films, and which was hard because it was in the middle of the pandemic. And I was like, I need to build my resume because majority of what's on my resume is theater, you know, from the ballet. And I knew I needed to get some short films in or anything local that I could just get on there so that when I went to submit to agencies, I didn't look extremely green to where they weren't going to take a chance. Do you have any experiences that you've really enjoyed on set so far? Or even just ballet, any fun ballet experiences, things that you remember? This was back, we were doing a production called Pierre Gint. And this was in 2012. And I had just met my husband. I mean, we met on Match.com. It, and we were married, like, I was sorry, we were engaged like 11 months later. So it worked out okay. But I would say it was like the second week that we were together and I was performing Pierre Gint and he came and saw the show and I was doing this role called the green lady. And it was a really nice role for him to come see. So I was really proud of it. And I was like excited for him to see me in this crown. And like, I was really excited for him to see me, you know, do this important role. And I was so excited. And then he left or he, you know, he went to the show. Um, I saw him. He was really sweet. He brought me flowers. He really enjoyed it. Well, the next day I was doing the role that I didn't want him to see. And it was um, called the madhouse scene. And I had to be in this really large suit and I had to have my hair teased really, really big. And I had a unibrow drawn on me and I had um, a black mark in between my teeth. So it looked like I had a gap in my teeth. And I had to act absolutely wild. I mean, stomping all over the place and going just nuts. And I mean, I was really into it this day too. I was really like committed to the character. And I remember like some of my peers like laughing on stage because I was like just going all out. And I, I think I didn't have like the next, I don't know if it was like the second act I had off. So I was able to leave. So I left and then like half an hour later, I get a, picture from Matt from my husband and he's standing outside of the theater with flowers and I was like no (laughs) no (laughs) we just started dating but at the same time I was like okay he's definitely seen me at my absolute worst so it can only go up from here (laughs) oh man like and it's I mean we laugh about it to this day but yeah I mean, that, that's just something I'll always remember of like really committing to a character and like having it backfire a little bit because you're like, because <laughs> you have to be fearless with this, you know? And that's something that I learned too. Like to really commit to a character, you have to be fearless and you have to not be afraid of what people are going to think of you. If you have snot coming out of your nose, if you are a crying hot mess, if you have a jittery voice, like you can't be afraid to have that. But now post doing that on stage, it was just, it was funny because we were like a week in and I really liked him, but he married me. So I guess it's okay. <laughs> is is that what actually like, uh, tell me more about what drew you into the acting part of it, right? Because like you were saying, you love like these characters, like, and you know, I think about ballet and uh, correct me, please correct me. This is horrible. It's, it's so right. like, <laughs> a- aesthetic 
and 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 pretty, yes. right? Like you know, yes. it's like modely, right? Where yes. acting is more that character-driven grittiness. People are applauded and a lot, uh, like uh, like what's a lot? Yes. you know what I'm looking for. Um, yeah, right. there is snot coming out of their mouth. Where it's like the <laughs> exactly. opposite as not coming out of their nose <laughs> or mouth. Oh God. Um, yeah, am I still a doctor? I don't know. And uh, no. <laughs> like where ballet, yes. it's like applause the pretty, right? Yes. No, you're right. Like, what is it about acting that draws you? Like, what is it? I think I'm just not. I think because you can be yourself. You know, you don't have to put it on that you're super um, prim and proper and pretty all the time. Because I'm not. What's really funny is that people think, or at least for me. Um, people would assume that I have fantastic posture all the time and that, you know, I'll have occasionally some people that are like your feet are turned out, you're standing weird, or you look like a dancer, this and that. But I, I slouch constantly. And I, I know that you can test <laughs> that that's not great for your posture. My husband being a physical therapist is like, will you, he's always correcting my shoulders and pulling me back. Um, but that's what I mean. Like, that's an example of like, that's not how I, I have times when, you know, I feel really, you know, prim and proper. I have times and I enjoy those times, but also in acting, like you get the nitty gritty roles where you can be free and you can be ugly. And, um, I will say that my ballet company, uh, Ben Stevenson, the artistic director, he's world renowned in the ballet world for being a wonderful choreographer. That is a fantastic storyteller. So what that afforded our company was this ability to be in productions that had characters like that, like that had the quote unquote mad woman or um, one of my favorite roles I did ever was um, Maleficent from uh, Sleeping Beauty. She was Carabas is what she was called. Um, but he made not only those characters, just he gave them, it was our responsibility to give them soul but he put the structure there and we just had to fill in the spots. So, and he was so great. Um, he is so wonderful at just kind of leading the actor and letting them do with it what they want. And he really gave me that space. And I, I credit a lot of um, my confidence as an actor to him because he just kind of let me play, you know, and he does that with a lot of his dancers. He just lets them play and then it either works or it doesn't. And you don't think that's in the ballet. You think if you don't attend the ballet regularly, you think that it's just the sugar plum fairy and you go in and you do some fuetes and pirouettes and then you go off the stage. But it's with these big storybook ballets like Alice at Wonderland or um, Sleeping Beauty or, I mean, you name it, Swan Lake. There's drama and there's um, there's a, usually a mise-en-scene and there's just there's a lot of characters that allow for character building, which is really great. I think that's where that comes from. <laughs> Do you have any advice then for people who are interested in switching into a career in acting, not just like people from any career, but more specifically people who came from something like a dance background? Yeah, I mean, use the tools of what dance taught you and bring it into your acting career. Because I think if I, if someone were to say like, what sets you apart, why should I choose you over them? And I, you know, you could talk all day and, and say this and that, and I'm, I'm really great at emoting this or, you know, whatever. But I, I think the discipline and the hard work that it takes to be a dancer is so wonderful to carry into an acting career because you, you need to have it. I, I don't, I'm sure there are some people like some unicorns that are able to just um, get their big break and go on. But from what I see and the people that I'm working around, everyone's working really, really hard and you have to love it. And I think my advice for anybody that's not even a dancer just wants to pursue it in general. And this doesn't come from a place that, you know, I think I'm some hot shot and I have it all together. Cause of course I don't like I'm on a journey just like everybody else. But I will say that when I, after that rehearsal, when I had my last rehearsal and I realized it wasn't going back to the ballet, I decided I am going in 110%. I am diving into this with everything that I have. If um, I'm going to get everything finished to build my package that I need to. And number one on the list is training, train, 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 because it's wonderful the experience that you can have on stage from dance and from theater. But 
film acting is such a different animal too. So I think training for sure, like that would be my number one would be like getting a great acting class. And I think that's what normal everybody says, but I think it's so important. Yeah. People do say it, but people don't follow it. Right. Because, because I think. Absolutely. Exactly what you said. People think that because it's the American dream to be plucked out of obscurity to become a, and you're already a natural and an amazing actor. And so we all think that that's the case. And, um, yeah, it's not right. Like why? I mean, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be right? (laughs) Yeah. Right. But also like if you enjoy, and sure, some, sometimes there's, there's nights when you're like, I'm not really in the mood. Like I don't want to turn on some, some of us, like I go in for an in-person once a month if I'm able to, otherwise it's on zoom. Um, it's not as intimate as an in-person class. And sometimes that could be kind of a headache because you're like, I feel like I need to see the person I want. I want to see them like flesh and blood, like right there in front of me. And, um, where was I going with that? Oh, um, and I think it's not always easy to want to get in class, but the reason that I also go is because I enjoy it. I really, I, I really, and I'm so happy that I can truly say, I just love it. And I love getting a scene for the week for my class. And ever since I was a little girl, I just love to perform. And for me, it's just another opportunity to perform. So I'm like, why wouldn't you go to acting class? And you get feedback. I mean, that's the whole, that's how you get better. I don't know how, I mean, more power to you, to you, if you're able to like, you know, just work on your own and get better. But I'm my own worst critic. And I kind of need to hear criticism from other people in order to grow as well. That's how you become a more well-rounded actor is from hearing from other people as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the feedback, I would bet, you know, given your first career, feedback to you is not destructive, it's constructive. Because that probably was a huge part of your life. Yes. I mean, there were times that in those evaluations, you would hear stuff that you just didn't want to hear and you have to make some changes or else your job is on the line. And it, like I said before, just, it really made um, me have a thick skin. And of course, like, of course, if there was a job that was up for a role and I was absolutely in love with it and I felt in my heart and soul that I was, I was meant to do this role and you go to a callback and it doesn't, you don't get it after all. That's heartbreaking. Like, of course. Um, but you have to move on. You know, it's like with the productions with the ballet, you don't get the role that you wanted. It's tough. Like, sorry. And it's, it wasn't meant for you in the first place. If it's meant for you, it's going to come to you. And I, I'm really a firm believer in that is I'm just like, that's not on my path. Like that's apparently that role is not for my journey. And maybe I didn't get it because of X, Y, Z. I know some people don't believe in that, but I, I'm very much like everything happens for a reason. And I think that taking certain roles on can introduce you to different people and take you on different paths. So I think that what is meant to come will come if I work hard. And I think that goes for everybody, really. Would your family describe you now as an actor? I think so. Yeah. And it, it's been really sweet to hear um, my husband say it, you know, like if if we're out and people ask and you know, I, I say, I'm a stay-at-home mom, and I act. And, of course, you get the, oh, what have you been in? And you're like, womp, womp. <laughs> and um, you're like, God, oh, can you not act? Like, I just started up, so I'm like, in the pandemic. Like, come on. Um, I, but it's really sweet sometimes how he just says, yeah, she's an actor. Like, that's what she does. And I, I think that's so supportive. And my parents, I think they're just learning. Like, they're um, – bless them. They come up and take care of my kids. And so do my in-laws when, you know, if I get a job or if I'm auditioning or for whatever, if there's anything that they need to come up for the, I used to take a class that was like seven hours long and I had my first baby and it was wonderful classes, but it just, it wasn't working well. And they would come up and stay with the baby. Well, I took the, like, I'm talking super supportive. (laughs) You know what I mean? And, um, I think they, I think, yeah, like showing that I'm actually working for it. And I think they just knew all, I think they knew since I was five that I was an actor, like always for sure. 
it's almost like actor first, dancer second, but they would probably say, you know, I was dancing a lot as a little baby. <laughs> Do you have any final words of wisdom or advice? <sighs> Go for it. Really, truly. And don't care about what it, what other people are going to say, because I have this little bit of like imposter syndrome and I still do a little bit, but I have a little bit of imposter syndrome here and there where I'm like, I'm not really an actor, like, because I'm not booking this or that, or I didn't get this role or that role. And, um, it also feels very bizarre being in the same city as the company that I was dancing for, for so long and thinking these people that I danced with and that are my friends, I wonder if they look at me and they're like, is she really acting or she just say she's acting? And sometimes those thoughts creep in. But I just don't care. I mean, I'm so committed and I just love it so much that I just, I, my biggest piece of advice is say, go for it. And I'm, again, I'm very lucky to have the support system I have. And even the people that I did dance with, they were all, they knew this is what I wanted to do. I, I really think they did because they also saw that the acting part was what was really, really important to me. And I just I'm lucky that I have a really great support system and friends and family and, you know, just peers in general. So I just say, go for it. Don't be afraid. We're all in this together. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And thank you, Michelle, for being my guest this week. Thank you so much for sharing your incredible story. I love chatting with former professional athletes. I think the athletic pursuit is so similar to the creative pursuit of acting, more so than we think, hey? Every professional athlete I've talked to on the show notices the similarities. And I think there's so much creativity in sport. That is just so helpful for now. These former professional athletes' careers in acting. Again, thank you, Michelle, for sharing your story. You're an absolute delight. Everyone, go follow her on social media. She is wonderful. She has an incredibly adorable little son. But also you get to see a professional ballerina at work. I mean, what is better than that beautiful art form? Again, thank you, Michelle. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and I hope you will join me next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye! Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume, additional sound editing by David Studio, additional video editing by Jackie Wadewer, show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email, and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancys, Judgy McJudgersons, or Debbie Downers, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye! Bye!